0: listening to community-supported Acaville radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media At the top of the hour
1: this hour.
0: Sing Strong New York is back and it's time to save the date and apply to compete. Sing Strong will be held on February 8th through the 10th, 2019 at Adelphi University Performing Arts Center with five concerts featuring pro headliners, two days of classes, Aka Idol competition with a $1,000 first prize for college and semi-pro groups and a high school competition. Also, the single singers will be back performing on the main stage with a full sound system and lights. Anyone can join. The spotlight showcase concerts for your group will also be available as will free coaching proceeds go to the fight against alzheimer's learn more at newyork.singstrong.org
2: Hello, Akaville fans, and welcome to Tacapella. I am one of your co-hosts, John Lampus. Unfortunately, no Brian this week. He is out being an adult, making money, doing stuff that I'm clearly not, but it's still going to be a great (laughs) show today because we are joined by Isaiah Ragland. Isaiah, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing well, John. Thank you for asking.
2: Absolutely. Isaiah, let's just dive into it. This is, I believe, I want to say this is like episode 73 of Tacapella. So uh, I've had the great privilege of talking to a ton of different people in the acapella world, but not a ton from Seattle. And I know that's kind of where you're based and what you've done, where you've done a lot of your acapella stuff. So just to kick off, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your acapella career?
3: I started doing acapella my freshman year at Central Washington University. A great friend and mentor of mine, Reese Silvey, and my now girlfriend, Rachel Border, at the time, we had just come from three years of an intense show choir experience at our, the high school level. And so the combination of Rachel and I loving show choir and re- recently transferring from Willamette University. He was in the group headband, which is yep. still going, still competing in ICCA. Mm-hmm. He was in that group before he came to Central and he looked around and wondered why there is no acapella group with, you know, yeah. a robust music department. And of course, just a college campus where people love to sing. And he just kind of asked people around him in the chorale, which was the all come sing choir in the music department. Mm-hmm. So of course, people who just like to sing, but they weren't necessarily music majors or didn't even necessarily know how to read music wasn't required. So from that crop, uh, the three of us just put up posters called people. And I guess this is just going into basically how Nana Cantata started. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but this is, you know, what's the beginning of it. And uh, we just got a group together of any singers who we just accepted anyone who wanted to do it. And thankfully, at that meeting, we also had a couple of people who just wanted to arrange for the group. And so mm-hmm. we were like, yeah, brought them in. The music department was hosting a talent show. And so we actually only formed as a group for the purpose of this talent show,
2: Okay and
3: uh so we weren't even really a, a real group in that sense. And actually our name at that time for the one talent show was Aquapella. It's <laughs> a very kind of unknown fact. The That's first interesting.
2: Version... There's a there's a group at the University of Bath in the UK, same
3: name. Yes. And so for that concert at the talent show, we took our pitch off of a conch show. <laughs> And we had a guy who was a French horn player and his name was David. Uh, David, the French horn player. He played the conch shell very in tune. And we just decided on that key and walked out in kind of a processional singing Mario Kart love song. And that was the bird. Wait, of... you
2: did Mario Kart for your, for your first ever performance?
3: It was. Our first two songs of the talent show were Mario Kart, Love Song, and Viva La Vida. And those are the first two songs I ever performed and helped arrange and put together in my acapella experience. So, that was the start.
2: So, it was the, the theme song from Mario Kart?
3: No, no, no. There's a video on YouTube where... There is a guy who writes an original song oh, called what? the Mario Kart Love Song, and he writes his own lyrics around the theme of Mario Kart. You'll be my princess, and I'll be your toad.
2: I don't know it's if I've try. ever heard this, and he I talks love about Mario Rainbow Kart.
3: Road. I implore you, look it up.
2: I will. It's
3: a, it's a hit. It's a hit. This and is a so little we, embarrassing
2: for me on live air, not live, but still that I didn't know this. And, but my the God. It
3: was around the time we were in college when I would say, you know, for our age, YouTube was really, really popular. And like cover bands and cover videos and channels mm-hmm. on YouTube were still really, really big and popular, uh, in my eye at least. And that was just one of them that came out of that era. And. So someone arranged it and we rocked it. <laughs> and then, of course, the most obvious choice, Viva La Vida, was my personally very <laughs> first ever acapella arrangement
2: even lived, uh, that, that's a, that's a, that was a popular acapella tune yes. and a popular song in general. Yes. So just to clarify, this talent show, this was the first time you ever performed as a group? Not a cantata performed?
3: Yes, and we called ourselves Acapella. And we were not, not a cantata until the following fall after we did auditions and then all voted on a name and decided not a cantata at that time.
2: I mean, I think that's a great name. I've heard it before and it's stuck with me. I'm curious, what was it like preparing for this concert that kind of served as almost your your starting line because a lot of groups I find just kind of form like hey let's just make an acapella group rather than let's make an a- acapella group for a specific purpose. What was that like in getting the group started in general?
3: It was really difficult because the world that we were working with was basically within the music department. Mm-hmm. And so the route that we took was putting up posters everywhere, but really talking to the people in the choirs and kind of kind of having to win them over on the idea that acapella was worthwhile because they were very, very focused on, of course, their private lessons and the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The jazz choir. And so we had to get people to take their time away from that. And we did some of them, but <laughs> there was a little bit, I'm sure, as other people have seen, kind of dissonance between seeing it as real music or, you know, quality or whatever. Some people look down on it in general. And so we had to deal with that because we were music students ourselves. And so we were extremely actually grateful. That we had people who were music majors who were really interested in arranging specifically. That helped a lot because mm-hmm. they started arranging in high school doing marching band. And Ah. actually, Matt Matt Merhoffer, who's the beatboxer in the group I sing now, 2020, Mm -hmm. he was in a marching band in high school, and that's where he started arranging. So when we made this announcement at convocation that we were starting a group, he thought, oh, I could kind of continue that and transfer it over. And he was into singing as well and did musical theater. And so that was kind of... We just kind of got lucky, basically, in that sense. Because already that following fall one thing that we didn't have to overcome is we had a Bachelor of Arrangements ready to go because That's Matt nice. and Reese, the guy who originally started everything, he was a piano major. And so he just kind of had the musical and arranging background to have a Mm -hmm. crop of arrangements ready to go. So once we just kind of motivated a group of people to just know that it was fun and get going and do the silly thing with the conch shell, they just were (laughs) like, oh, yeah, let's keep going, you know. And so thankfully, we had Reese and Matt to get arrangements out and ready that next fall. And we just kind of took off from there because once you have people who like it, you just work with them and, you know, you get what you get. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so you just need the you just need the people. And so that's what we got.
2: This is really interesting for me to hear because I've started two acapella groups, one at the University of Puget Sound and another at Colorado State University, my undergrad and grad school, respectively. And I started two groups there. And while it was still difficult to do it, there were already acapella groups on campus when i was making those groups so people had already like broken ground there was a precedent set in the music building and on campus that acapella was a valuable pursuit and i'm curious what were these conversations like trying to convince people to join not a cantata or then aquapella trying to convince them you're not trying to just convince them on joining your group you're trying to convince them that acapella is a worthwhile pursuit in general what was that like
3: I do have to admit there was a little bit of courting involved Yeah, Uh because we wanted anyone to join, but we were holding auditions and we had our eyes on ICCA. So mm-hmm. we knew we needed quality singers and we are very, very grateful for the singers that we always got throughout the years. But every year as kind of a leadership, it was always a goal of ours to say, OK, who out there? would genuinely really like doing this and they have a nice voice. Maybe they just don't know. Who can we talk to? Mm-hmm. So we spent a good amount of time doing that and it worked out. There was a an RA on campus who is a music major. He's a power lifter. You know, <laughs> he has uh, all these varieties of interests, right? But, mm-hmm. and he studies music, but he really just loves singing pop music and people just know that he has this nice voice. We put up auditions and the person who st- we started the group with, Rachel she was in his residence hall. They just knew Ah. each other. She talks to him and it's like, okay, now we get this guy. And so basically it was just kind of a lot of talking to people and just seeing who... Yes, basically marketing. And other than that, we just used Facebook and really kind of, I thought, cool posters. We have uh, our posters in our house now with all of our old Naughty Cantata audition posters. Oh, that's and cute. And concert posters. <laughs> so we kind of, we put a lot of energy into the marketing. You're right, I guess I would say. because so we had custom posters every year and tried to make it really kind of attractive and use mm-hmm. social media and made sure every bulletin board in the music building for two weeks before the audition had one of our huge posters on. Yep. It. Yep, And just used word of mouth. It sounds simple and obvious, but it's easy to kind of just put up a Facebook event and then not do anything. Mm-hmm. And so besides that, which is still somewhat effective, you know, talking mm-hmm. to people and just, I guess, putting effort into it, I guess, if I could say it plainly, putting the work in and, and so just over the years, it just built, you know, we got some people to do it in the beginning and every year we kind of just focused and, uh tried to put a lot of effort into it, and just more people found out. And really, like everyone else finds out, acapella is really, really fun. Yes, it is. So once we got 30 or 40 people at our first concert, 80 people came to the next concert, etc. just like every acapella group finds out. Once some people like it, more people will start to like it once you can get yourself out there.
2: Absolutely. It sounds like you set a precedent and you kept building upon that. I think that's something that's really easy for groups to forget, that once you get the year started and once you have your group members, because I think auditions can stress a lot of people out and they put a lot of energy into that. It's almost, I don't want to, this is a weird metaphor, but it's almost like parenting and that you need to keep, I'm, I'm, no, you know what I'm not going to use that that's a weird think about it. I'm just, you know what no I'm not a parent I'm not going to talk about I know that
3: you, I know what you mean though
2: yeah but, but um, you
3: have to tend to it
2: yeah you have to you have to I, I, I'm i not going yeah, to put that, that on the that record but right. yeah it is something you need to continually be checking in and thinking about well how can I grow this and what new ideas are out there I remember my first group was a quartet and we lost our high tenor midway through the year and it came down to me just talking to as many many people as I could about trying to find a tenor. And ultimately, someone just mentioned, oh, yeah, this guy, Danny, he's pretty good. And he sings in theater, messaged him and he was good and he joined the group. And had I not right. just had that oh, like nice, like literally off the cuff comment of, hey, do you know anybody? We might not have gotten him and he might not have had that great experience. So there's not a very clear way to market I mean obviously you can you know put up posters like you said yes. and try to get as many people as you can but trying to market yourself and court people and convince everyone to join your organization or to just give it a look on a college campus there's not a set way there's not a guarantee and you have to yeah. like what it sounds like you guys did you had to have a lot of different potential avenues and a lot of different techniques to get the people you ended up with.
3: Yes, and you're right. And you can do all of that stuff. And just like the posters, you can additionally do the courting, right? Mm-hmm. But even then, you only get who you get to audition.
2: And I think this kind of comes down, what we're kind of talking about here. I was in a fraternity, and we and Brian and I have talked about this before, but there's this almost anxiety of like trying to get people, of trying to get the right people and trying to get mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. people. And I've thought of like, when I've done arrangements like, oh man, what if we had only gotten that person? Or oh, it'd be so cool <laughs> if we got this. And I think it brings a lot of anxiety, and I think it can be a stressful situation. And I think it must have been like tenfold when you're the first a cappella group on campus. And I'm curious, uh, right. like when you were there, did more groups like follow in your footsteps? And what's the a cappella scene at CW now that you guys set a precedent with not a
3: cantata? It is It was interesting. While we were there, more groups did form. The second group that formed was, we actually had our highest number of auditions for Nada Cantata this particular year, Mm -hmm. and particularly a lot of treble voices. So we had a specific set and type of set in mind for ICCA, so we just had a group size in You can't fit everyone, basically. But we noticed that there were so many and basically enough of them were really great that they should start their own group if they just all got together. Yeah. And there was a guy who was in Nada Cantata the previous year who wasn't going to do it this year because he was student teaching in the spring. And so he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't commit the whole year, but he was a, a music education major. So we came to him and said, "Daniel, like you could use this as a project and be the music director of this group." And um, he thought it was a good idea, and he liked a cappella, and he wanted to do Nada Cantata again. And we wanted him back. And so it was his opportunity to do that and gain experience as a music director. And then it allowed this group to form. And so they were together for two quarters. And then that spring, he went to student teach and then they went off on their own. And that's where they kind of like left from basically our creation in the beginning. But then they went for a handful of years, did ICCA a couple of times, like changed her name a couple of times. But basically, they kind of just ended this mm-hmm. group, and then there was one more group that was called Blunt Force Trauma. It was... <laughs> wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. Uh, Usually most groups are like musical puns. How? What is the, what's the pun there? <laughs> what's the, look, I don't get
3: look, it. <laughs> I don't completely get it either. Blunt Just Force like Trauma. Just like some acapella group names, it's a little mysterious. It's okay. a little in your face. It's a little, in that sense, Bathtub Dogs to me.
2: Yeah. So it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah 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 kind of,
3: but there is a story the director okay. of the group she started the group because she wanted a non-audition group on campus that anyone could come to any week and uh she arranged it with these accessible arrangements specifically in mind and it took off really fast and people loved mm-hmm. being in the aspect of a cappella, the core of it basically just getting to sing and feel good about it and just letting your voice out and not a cantata at this point had become competitive and people don't like the pressure of auditioning and so anyway, there were a crop of people who did it. And that went for about three years. But the reason they called it Blunt Force Trauma is the person who started the group, her name was Amelia Blunt.
2: Oh. And
3: she was a <laughs> music education major in Not uh, Now My <laughs> Close Friend in The Soprano in twenty twenty. Oh and okay. she was she was the music director of Blunt Force Trauma while she was the music director of Nada Cantata uh for oh, like wow one year. Yep. And so she just did it once a week. And then in her last year and how it worked in Nada Cantata, I was the music director and Amelia was my assistant music director. Mm -hmm. And in my last year, before I left the group, she actually changed to music director and I was her assistant while I was still Mm -hmm. there. And so we, we did this to give the music director that kind of cushion year of not being totally on their own. And so they, the next music director, Theo Olson, they also continued in this tradition. So Amelia started blunt force trauma when she was the music director. And then the following year, she was still in the group, but it was Theo's first year as the music director. So she had more time to balance, you know, her transition out of college um, and balancing both groups and, So that's just kind of how it happened. It wasn't really, it it was just kind of natural, I guess. But we did it so you wouldn't be completely on your own on your first year.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting that you were at least somewhat involved with the creation of two other groups, even if they didn't end up lasting. Are there any other groups at CW now in addition to Nada Cantata?
3: Nada Cantata ended. And oh! What there was one gap year, and now there's a group competing in ICCA this year in Tacoma called Kamisada. And I believe their director is Arthur Verusco, who mm-hmm. was in Nada Cantata and then picked it back up after this gap year. And they renamed or, you know, reformed over there. But it's what I'm assuming is people from the music department, music students, voice majors with Arthur, who was in Nada Cantata that was at the semifinals in their last competing, or their second to last competing year.
2: Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't realize that it ended, and then it was, it sounds like you you say it was somewhat revived, kind of, like rejiggered after a year?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going on over there, because I just don't have any connection with any of the students on campus, Mm -hmm. but... We just saw when the ICCA list came out that that group was from Central.
2: I think it's it's something you should be proud of that you set a precedent for acapella, even if the group didn't end up lasting or it isn't the same kind of group today. You are still yeah. one of the key players that helped show not only you know music students, but the entire Central Washington University campus that acapella is cool and acapella is a worthwhile endeavor. And I think you should be proud of that. We got to take a quick break here. Going to pass it on over to Amanda Tran with... Notable coverage, and then we're going to be right back here talking to Isaiah Ragland all about acapella, and we're going to be right back.
0: You're listening to community supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at Acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. <laughs>
4: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and in every episode, we talk about a heavily covered song in the acapella world. So for episode 22, we're going to discuss bad romance by none other than the queen Lady Gaga herself. Now this song came out in 2009, I had to look that up. That means we are going to be celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the iconic Bad Romance. That's insane. I remember, like, it was yesterday when it came out, and we were all trying to copy her choreography because that video was iconic as well. Now, there is one version of Bad Romance in the acapella world that everyone knows about. If you were ever in the acapella community or are in it now... I don't know how you wouldn't know about this version, but it is by On The Rocks. Um, it's the all-male group from the University of Oregon in Eugene. They did make an appearance on the sing-off where they performed this version of theirs. And needless to say, their version was iconic in the acapella community because it was, I don't know, it was the perfect like example of what it means to be a really awesome, entertaining, funny, good quality all-male college group. I feel like On The Rocks was kind of the staple for that. They have amazing singing happening. Their choreography is on point. But other than that, their delivery is what makes it amazing. You know, you have to believe in yourself before somebody else can believe in you and I feel that On The Rocks did just that. They were having the best time time on stage and it really... it really showed through their performance and it made me want to just be there and have fun with them, you know? Um, Like every other episode, I take the time to do a lot of research on the internet, um, whether that's through YouTube or Spotify, finding all the versions that I can on this one song that we focus on. And through my research, um, there weren't too many arrangements that really stood out. I can't even pick one or remember one that I really love just based on the actual arrangement and the auditory experience. I mean, a lot of acapella, obviously, is the full experience, you know, like getting the live performance, the choreography, that audience to performer connection, the ambiance, even the interactions between the audience. Like, it's the whole thing. I totally get that. But at the root of it, I feel that the arrangement itself needs to be able to translate in a recording as well as on stage. And I feel like this song in particular, I just couldn't find that anywhere else. And I know that conversation of arrangement versus choreography, that whole idea of can you have an effective performance without that movement, that conversation comes up a lot in competitions and festivals, having attended them as just an audience member, but also having been in the judge's room multiple times. Um, obviously, we are here for the music first, but there's just something about The performance, the physicality, whether or not you have really heavy choreography, it's the way that you emote the music. And I feel like a good arrangement should be able to shine through regardless of whether or not you're emoting on the stage or whether it's just in the studio. So... I may have dug a really deep hole into this one um, but if you have any more thoughts on that definitely at me on social media i'm at amanda tran rocks that's at amanda tran r-o-c-k-s on all social medias i would love to talk to you guys about anything acapella related obviously um, but yeah and here's a clip of bad romance by on the rocks <laughs>
3: Your bad romance, your
5: bad romance. I want your ugly, I want your deceit.
3: I want your everything as long as it's free. I want your love, 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 love. I want your love.
4: much again for tuning in to Tacapella. i'm your host amita tran of notable coverage and i will see you next time bye
3: welcome back to Tacapella.
2: hey everybody this has been a super fun episode of Tacapella so far it is just me this week no brian because he's off being an adult and i'm talking into a microphone in a basement but i'm hanging out with isaiah raglan today talking a lot about the group nada cantata central washington university diving into the unique story of the founding of the group because those are always fun to get into isaiah you are currently in seattle And I love Seattle and I think Seattle is a very fascinating acapella environment, seeing it from the outside, especially since I went to school in Tacoma. So I'd love to hear about your acapella experiences in Seattle and what the Seattle acapella scene is like.
3: Yeah, Seattle acapella, I feel like has kind of a unique vibe and it's, uh, it's not totally connected, but we're all kind of growing in the same direction. But at the same time, there is this one little pocket of groups that all kind of became friends and we help each other by doing shows together and opening for each other because a venue wants about three hours of music. Yeah. But acapella groups don't have that. Or they can't easily build that up or it's a huge barrier to be able to do shows. Mm-hmm. So we recently did a show at Capital cider with two groups doing 50 minutes each. But if either of our groups had to do that full two hours, it would have been a stretch. So
2: yeah, understandably
3: we so became friends kind of through this process and, uh, or that's one way the acapella groups interact as friends, but the way we all met each other, it's just as random as college. Like, <laughs> we're called 2020 because we love the 2020 experience. Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. And girl band they did a Justin Timberlake song and they just they just had posted it on Facebook and I was just I just continuously do research for acapella groups that pop up in Seattle. I had just liked them at some point mm-hmm. and because they did the Justin Timberlake song, we were like, oh, we can comment as 2020 and yeah, you know and, and, and interact with them. but then the comment section just turned into us getting in contact with each other and we ended up doing shows so, We made that connection. And then Lauren from Girl Band, she knows Scotty, who's in an acapella group called Mixtape. Mm -hmm. And they're a quartet. They do a lot of oldies and jazz, and they're awesome. So now the three of us know each other. I'm involved with Cammie, which includes our close friend Colin. And he is starting his own acapella group called Cascade, who's auditioning right now. And we just happen to all know each other. And so those four groups basically are kind of... Like or coalition. I, I don't know. They they haven't they haven't all agreed to these terms. Or there's no official coalition. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they might listen to this. Not, be like, no, nah, we hate that guy. What's he talking I'm about? I'm not
3: speaking on their behalf, but <laughs> I guess shout out a shout out to those three groups: mixtape, Grow band, and Cascade. Uh, we went on a tour with Cino 2020 and Cino. And years past Cino is not actively performing, but when they get together, they tear it up, and we yeah. used to tear it up with our own too. Amanda Tran is is, is, yeah, is exactly. one of those people. You guys, yeah. You guys you guys know Amanda. So it was basically it started with twenty twenty Encino in our little pocket. Mm-hmm. And then once we found out about Girl Band through this just social media connection, it kind of grew in that direction. And within the last like six months or so, those four groups have been doing shows together live around this area. But there's also groups like Restless Vocal Band.
2: Yep. We had a member of that on the show once. Yeah.
3: Yeah. They've they tear it up and they do a lot of like fundraiser and kind of corporate and entertainment Mm -hmm. stage performances. And they're really, really entertaining live and they kind of, uh, in my opinion, just have one of the more professional, refined vibes around, and the the other four groups that we mentioned, mm-hmm. I would say that we're all still developing our own style and kind of having this kind of transforming, you know, period into maybe something more polished uh, that groups like Restless or or who have been doing it longer. Because uh, there are groups like the Coats who mm-hmm. won Harmony Sweepstakes Nationals in the past, and they're just. They're just going. They're not really connected with us, but they're around here yeah. <laughs> just doing their pro thing. Uh, you know, and Groofer Thought recently did their last show, but them as well. They're just mm-hmm. professionals on the sing-off. These four groups and people like Amanda.
2: So I, I'm really curious, Isaiah, what are some of the... You've already mentioned the the almost kind of necessity for the groups to band together in Seattle to um kind of... Sur- not necessarily survive, but to be able to book these longer gigs and to thrive for professional opportunities. What are some of the other advantages, um, whether that's personal or professional, just in terms of all of these groups connecting with each other? Because I often feel like in undergrad and just college, the college a cappella scene, Sometimes it can be a little competitive between the groups on campus because you're directly competing for members or for spots or for funds from the university, all these things. But it sounds like you guys all have a really healthy relationship with these Seattle groups. I'm curious, what's that like and what are the benefits of that?
3: Yeah, it is a little bit different than I would say. A college atmosphere mm-hmm. because when i was in Nada cantata we were the only group on campus so we didn't have that within our own campus but yeah so the only time we interacted with other groups was in super competitive environments yeah you know, when we were at the quarterfinal for icca and so that didn't really transfer because the reason that we know each other and these groups interact is basically because we were friends and we liked each other not necessarily because it helps us at first or that i guess isn't really the primary motivation basically i'm just just trying to say that we all like each other and it makes it really easy we don't compete with each other because it's really fun and exciting to know that i think basically the benefits are that we push each other Mm -hmm. and we like seeing each other do cool things because we can work with it and see what other groups are doing and kind of build off of each other creatively. Like girl band, they can do things that our group isn't doing or, you know, they have their own particular strengths and it's not easy for us to see acapella live in person like Home Free or Voice Play or pentatonics, of course, will come up to Washington sometimes. But just the value of being able to see an a cappella group live in person and hear how chords are balancing and see what the performers are doing on stage with their bodies and, you know, how it's connecting with the audience. And of course, sometimes I am just trying to enjoy the performance. But Mm -hmm. for me personally, those are the benefits. Like, seeing what is working for groups and how other groups are marketing and being able to have those conversations uh with them and just kind of speed up the learning process. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the way I see it with all of our attempts at making posters and a CD promotion and social media. It's like, okay we're all within arm's reach of each other so we can kind of use the info in that way and again I don't know if these other people are doing this I just really like <laughs> these guys <laughs> they they all uh, seem great to me it seems it seems that way
2: yeah I think that's really nice that you guys are connected just by inherent goodwill and an affinity for each other I think just because my acapella has been just I'm recently out of school my two main acapella experiences, have been collegiate there is a competition associated with that so hearing about the positive interactions and how all four of these groups are building each other up in Seattle, I think is a really positive thing. And it's a, a good model for people to take note of and how you should interact with other groups. And especially with what you were saying about what you can learn from other groups, just seeing what they're doing. They're approaching everything. And even if it's similar, even if they're doing similar arrangements, they're, they're going to do something different. And you can learn from that. And I think it's so important. Brian and I talk about this a lot on this show for acapella groups to not to not seal yourself in a vacuum. And we had a recent episode. So where we were talking about, I went to this talk on choral recruitment for your choirs, and the guy was also a like part-time football coach. And he was talking about how he used similar techniques to recruit people for football, to recruit people for his choir. And it's this idea of looking outside yourself to almost even different you know, content areas in a sense. And I think it makes so much sense that you're looking at other acapella groups. Well, how do they do that? Oh, they come on stage this way. Anything I've learned from acapella mostly has been through watching other groups and taking little bits and pieces.
3: So either watch it on YouTube or mm-hmm. try to see it in person. I say is probably better.
2: Yeah, you can scrutinize it to it, not necessarily a closer degree, because obviously with YouTube you can you know uh, you know scrub in and out and <laughs> right, everything, right. but still you're getting a fuller experience when you're seeing it live. I'm curious, what are some of the things you have learned from watching the other groups like Girl Band and uh, like you will be doing when you see Cascade and that kind of stuff? What have you learned from them?
3: I've learned that. Everything you do on stage, someone like me is going to notice it at some (laughs) point throughout the set. And so the groups that are really, really great entertainers that are locked in from beginning to end, it's just occurring to me like groups like Six Appeal or Mm -hmm. Voice Play who are really great at entertaining. They're locked in and focused, but at the same time, they have this calmness and balance. And so I see that in groups like Girlband and Cascade and Mixtape throughout but of course we're not these groups but it's interesting for me to see how they approach it like some groups will have their body be really really busy or mm-hmm. kind of like moving around and it kind of really works for the song if everyone is committing to it but to what extent and yep. why why on this song in this group they're all completely still but there's something about their faces that that's probably what i would say i feel like our group really struggles with the balance of how much to move mm-hmm. on stage. I struggle with that but a lot. the one thing that I really like about girl bands specifically is they have a very, very unified personality while maintaining their individualism at the same time, where they have like a kind of a unified mood for every song and they don't move a ton physically, but there is movement. But it's to intentional. The music still. Yeah, yeah, it's intentional. It's Or it seems intentional. Um, and cohesive and and so i feel like we're trying to find some secret balance or formula of this entertainment concoction of Mm -hmm. how much do you move or how much eye contact do you make with the audience or what face really lines up with the arrangement song there's just all these small things
2: yeah it makes sense that you're looking at other groups to kind of find out what works for you and what doesn't because you can't know how much you should move if you've never moved on a song obviously I know like people move in performances but it's that kind of state of going from both understanding the field and then understanding like specific ideas within the field I think mm-hmm. of uh frankly I'm really obsessed with the new Spider-Man movie right now Spider-Man Into the uh, Spider-Verse nice. and there's a quote from it that I really liked Brian if he was here right now would be rolling his eyes but in amusement there's a quote where the old Spider-Man's talking to the new Spider-Man and he says don't do it like me do it like you and it makes sense that in order to find out how 2020 should, quote unquote, do it like you do it in an honest way, you look at other people who are performing in their own honest way. I've seen yes. you know, videos of Girl Band, and I know three of those singers, and they were all very powerful performers, but they all had an authenticity to them. Lindsay, Laura, and china shout out. They were very strong <laughs> yes, singers, yes, yes. and they've brought that energy to their group. And, and I think this says a lot about you and your desire to be good and to figure everything out that you're looking at groups that are doing things successfully and saying okay well they're doing this that's a good idea I don't want to copy and paste exactly what they're doing but how can I learn from what they're doing so I can figure out how we can reach that same level of honesty and authenticity with our craft
3: well said man <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry go on a little rant
3: I completely agree and our group is five people with one soprano And a baritone and a tenor. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we do pentatonics arrangements. Yeah. And for us, we don't necessarily feel fulfilled creatively performing them live or, you know, rehearsing them. But we try to use exactly what you just said. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, what can we find out about this arrangement or the way that... They did this song, you know, we're going to try to do it as close as we can to what they did and find out how it can work for us, basically, is this the yeah. process you just described. We do that uh, with those arrangements.
2: Absolutely. And I've never done a pentatonics arrangement because I've always been in tenor bass groups. The two groups I'm in were both tenor bass, so those arrangements didn't work for us. But I've used well-known arrangements. I did a choral arrangement of the tune Come Go With Me by uh, the Dell Vikings, and it's like kind of a standard, and I mixed it up a little bit with Greg, my arranging partner, but it was important for me to take something that was a standard and use it in my group. And while maybe it wasn't as authentic as an arrangement we had done from scratch for the group, it still let us figure out things about ourselves by using some standard formulas. And then you figure out, oh, we're pretty good at enunciation in the baseline, but we lose memorization when we start moving too much. And each arrangement, and Brian and I talk about this a lot, there's like an acapella diet, and you want to stretch your group and figure out what works for them and what doesn't by kind of exposing them to as many things as you can. So I think pentatonics and doing those kind of arrangements and trying to figure out what is best for your group to find that authenticity, that makes a ton of sense that you'd look wherever you can.
3: Yeah, I will give a shout out to C-Note. And whenever we used to watch C-Note, mm-hmm. we were always really, really impressed by their runs and their vibe. And they, they used to tell us, they branded themselves as like Dark Hype so we we tried to start right. figure out what are you actually talking about, like what is making this sound? And you know, Michael, it was Michael's solid big presence on the bass. These periodic sound effects. They had a beatboxer who could do a really good crab scratch. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, if you come to a 2020 show now, you know we have one tenor who does really great solos and big runs, and he can do a nasty crab scratch because <laughs> ever since we saw Shahir doing it, so since before we could barely even do it. Now out all these years later, you know, we're incorporating yeah, it into you our set. from it Yeah. And so those kind of things and uh knowing that you can kind of extend your sound and do kind of more tricks and really be out there if it's really refined, that was definitely something we learned from other groups and just knowing like what's possible. I always say there's so much uncovered ground in mm-hmm. Acapella. Yeah. And so seeing groups do anything that hasn't been done if you look closely enough like it's just cool to see those and see if you can apply it or whatever
2: i think that makes so much sense and i think that's what more groups should do it can be really easy and i know i'm guilty of this to kind of be like no we're doing it this way but i remember one thing and this is very easy to happen on college campuses i remember i saw a video of oregon states group i think it was outspoken and they did like an exchange a soloist exchange it was very interesting with the, the tenor bass group did with the soprano alto group, I think that it's divine, and they would swap soloists for a song. So they had a tenor bass soloist singing with the soprano alto group, and they had a soprano alto soloist singing with the tenor bass group. And I remember seeing that like in high school. And then I, when I had my group in undergrad, and I did this again in grad school, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if even though we're all tenor basses, we had a soprano or alto from one of the uh, other yes. groups guest star with us. And that was from something I saw you know, years ago. And it sounds like what you're doing here is like what I was doing on crack, and that you're looking at everything (laughs) everyone else is doing and seeing what are they doing? And does that work for us? And if it does, how can we do it in an authentic way? That's not going to just give you an edge, but is going to bring you closer to being a more authentic group and and just a better group because you've learned from what's around you. And I think a lot of people should should take that approach
3: you nailed it man <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you just cornered me in my own home <laughs> with that analysis <laughs> well
2: there you go listen and record it or uh, i'll give you the recording you can oh listen gosh. to it in the morning uh, as right. you wake up uh everyone we're going to take one more quick break here on talk we've had such a fun time talking with isaiah today about a wealth of topics and we're going to be right back here on talk of
0: you're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks.
1: Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and welcome to Takapella's mini-segment, Asking for Directions. In a few previous episodes, I've talked about how it's necessary to build a community to get your members and audience to engage in care, and how there are a variety of things you need to make this happen. So I want to continue on that track and focus on another aspect you need to build a community, and that's creed so first what is creed creed is a set of beliefs that guide someone's actions and that sounds a little bit weird when said like this but we've seen this everywhere and it can be so simple like nike's just do it slogan or whenever ellen says be kind to one another at the end of her show these aren't exactly mission statements but it communicates what they stand for and what you should believe about these products and or people so in short, creed is a singular notion you want people to believe. So when thinking about your acapella group, think about what you want people to believe about you. So this applies to your audience and your fellow singers. Defining and communicating this is critical to the success of your group because confused singers aren't motivated and confused audiences aren't likely to buy into your music. So you have to start inside your group though, right? Because you wanna start there and then work outwards. But what do you want your group to be about? Why do you exist? Why should people want to sing in your group? And the statement may be a little different than the one you announced to your audience, but the general energy and idea should be the same because you want the audience to believe that you are truly dedicated to your quote unquote creed. And think of something that is unique to your group because every group wants to have fun and share the music. So we need to be a little bit better than that if we want to succeed and reach your audience beyond the service level, right? And it can be a catchphrase or it can be a part of your mission statement, but whatever it is, make it short and easy to digest so people can walk away remembering what your group is about. So this can really set you apart from other groups and people will gravitate towards it if you have a clearly stated belief of what your group is about. It makes you relatable, unique, and interesting, which are all the things that audiences are looking for. And not only that, but having a belief creates community and attracts others that have the same desires or mindset. So it can really grow your community. Now I've said this before, but people want to feel like they belong to something bigger. So give them the experience that by being at your concert, they are, that they are a part of a bigger mission statement. And at the end of the day, creating a community is your end goal, both inside and outside of your group. Music is communication, so communicate with them your reason for existence, both through your music and through your creed. So that's it for this week, and I will keep sharing more ways to build a community, both inside and outside of your group. So tune in next week, but if you have any specific questions, I'd love to hear them. You can post them on any of Occaville's social media sites or reach out to me personally. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and thanks for joining me on this week's mini-segment, Asking for Directions.
0: You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming Acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, leave the instruments at the door.
2: And welcome back to Taka I've had such a fun time today talking with Isaiah Ragland, all about his experience in undergrad, in post-collegiate groups, and just all the fun acapella adventures and techniques he's learned along the way. Isaiah, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How we usually wrap up the episode is we let the guest, we ask the guest their biggest piece of advice they want to give to the acapella community. So, I pose the question, if you could give, like, speak to the whole acapella community at once, what would you tell them?
3: Getting better as an acapella group is really uncomfortable because whatever level that you're at, if you want to elevate, you have to identify basically the things you're doing wrong and painfully drag out this process of being a beginner, essentially, at that thing or at that skill that you're breaking down. If it's tuning or looking natural on stage, or blend, or whatever it is, it's really difficult. But it's extremely rewarding if you can have a group of people that all trust each other. And so my piece of advice is through these beginning stages of maybe six months of kind of pain of forming a new group, or having new arrangements that don't necessarily fit what your voices can do, or not knowing the direction or style of the group, it will pay off. But I see a lot of groups start and then stop maybe after about six months, Mm -hmm. that have a lot of potential. And all I know is I just remember those feelings of being at those difficult stages of, uh, it's really hard to meet as a group, or it's hard to get better because we can only meet once a week because we all have lives or whatever the obstacles are. I would just say, if you can find people that you can trust, kind of knowing that these things will come up and just sticking with it will pay off. But I don't know if that's the answer for groups starting and stopping after six to nine months, but that's what I'm hoping to kind of basically speak to with this advice. Uh, it's extremely difficult to get this off of the ground. And other groups that are starting, maybe talk to each other because we mm-hmm. feel you. Every acapella group that has started, we feel you about scheduling and doing the dirty work that it takes to text and contact each other and the labor intensiveness of arranging, but also having a real life. And being in an a cappella group for the long term is not necessarily for everyone, and I understand yeah. that too. But um but for the people who do feel like it's a good idea or you want to be motivated to do it, <laughs> I'll say I feel you on the difficult parts, but uh kind of keep going because that's part of
2: it. Well said, Isaiah. Growing pains. It's its a reality. And I think uh, some of the stuff you've talked about today and that piece of advice is going to help a lot of people through them. Isaiah, if people want to get a hold of you, see what you're about, see what 2020 is about, how could they do that?
3: Yeah, you can follow us at 2020Acapella on Instagram, on Facebook. If you want to see us perform live, we are so excited to host the Pacific Northwest Harmony Sweepstakes nice. on March 9th after winning last year. We really love the sweeps because we did it five years in a row and we finally won on the fifth time. So nice. we have a, we have a close connection to kind of the staff and the people down there in Olympia. So we're doing that. So we'd love to see you and meet you. dot nworg the Contemporary Acapella Musicians Institute. Uh, we support and advocate for Pacific Northwest Acapella. We do the annual Northwest Acapella Festival, a holiday show in mm-hmm. the winter, and the annual Northwest Beatbox or Emerald City Beatbox Battle.
2: Emerald City Beatbox Battle. That sounds so cool.
3: We've had two Beatbox Battles. So if you want to be in on the third Beatbox Battle, hit us up. If you're a Beatboxer in the Seattle or the Northwest, contact us. We want to know what we can do at this event to bank it hype. Let us know. But you'll see us next fall for the Beatbox Battle. That's it.
2: That sounds great. Isaiah, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. It was great having you on.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
5: Thank you.
2: All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. Again, you can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. Brian will be back next week, so you don't have to listen to me talk quite as much. And thanks for listening to this episode of Tacapella. For everything acapella, please stay tuned. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio,
0: streaming Acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, filling your ears with voices since
2: 2013. <laughs>
6: Hello and welcome to another episode of Across the Pond. I'm Erin and Across the Pond is all about bringing you the highlights of a cappella in the UK. Um, today we're spotlighting a very special group, Tone Up. They're from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. And I have got my sister Tara on the phone who is an alto and the publicity officer of Tone Up on the phone. We're live with Tara from Tone Up. Hi Tara, how are you doing? Hi Aaron. I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Um, I hope the listeners aren't going to find this too confusing because Tara is my sister uh, and we have extremely Woohoo! similar voices. <laughs> um, so Tara, talk to me about your personal experience with Tone Up, when you joined, what stage you're at now? So I joined
5: Tone Up this time last year. I didn't initially get into Tone Up and then I was recruited last minute um, and my experience with Tone Up has been absolutely amazing. Before I joined Tone Up and um, I didn't actually understand a cappella. I didn't really have a vibe for it at all. But Erin, um, you were always talking about it to me. So when I joined it was almost like everything just came into light and I finally <laughs> welcome had, to the weird know, world of acapella. I was. I was really welcome to it and everyone's so lovely and I love my group and I really enjoyed the music and I learned so much about sight singing, about different harmonies, and I really enjoyed performing.
6: Um, talk to me about Tone Up. So what what were your sort of achievements from last year? What did you learn from those?
5: So last year, we entered the Voice Fest UK, which I know acapella were also a part of and everyone, and we achieved outstanding overall performance. And also our MD, Fraser Hume, won outstanding soloist so overall it was pretty much a big win for Tone Up and since we're quite a new group that was only our third year of competing and it was a big accomplishment for us. When did Tone Up form actually? It formed four years ago so about I think it was like October November time four years ago. Okay wow.
6: How many groups are in the Edinburgh Uni Acapella Society? So there's about seven larger groups and then a few groups of like three or four. I'd say
5: about three groups of that. So it's a pretty big society. And do you have many non-competitive groups? Yes. So there's only three competitive groups and all the rest are non-competitive.
6: Okay. And and are Tone Up planning on doing any competitions this year? Yes. So Tone Up are planning to do
5: Voice Fest UK, Scottish Acapella Championships and ICCAs. So this year we've got like a lot on our plate. That's a lot.
6: Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if many of the listeners on Ackerville Ready would know anything actually about the Scottish Acapella Championships because that's incredibly niche within the UK community so So what's what's the difference between that and the ICCAs, for example what do you have to do to prepare for that is it the same sort of idea or is it completely different so it's
5: a lot more informal this year I'm actually on the committee for the Scottish Acapella Championships um, and it's mostly run by students of the University of Edinburgh
6: Ah, so it's not Um, like a formal organization
5: no yeah we try to run it as formally as possible but we actually organize it and set it all up ourselves the competition happens in Edinburgh but um, a cappella groups from all over Scotland come down for it. So we have um, St
6: Andrews, we have a group from Glasgow this year and multiple other groups. And who, who judges that? Like how do you sort of legitimise that process if it is students running it?
5: So at the minute we're in the um, process of recruiting judges for it. I'm not really involved in that. Um, and wh- when is that? That's on the 3rd of March
6: or the 4th. It's still under consideration. What would you say is your sort of, your niche? What is your USP? What do you guys focus on?
5: Our USP? Well, we just focus on having fun, really. Like, honestly, a lot of us are just there for the crack, just there to have a
6: good time. But The crack? We do- can we just confirm what the word crack means? <laughs> <laughs> um, I referred for fun. Pure so- banter. <laughs> like I, I admire that you guys have such a good balance of you know just really enjoying yourselves and not worrying too much but also actually being a really good group
5: yeah yeah well Are you go gonna... to competition time we get more stressed and more uh, focused but um do you all have all any plans plan.
6: for releasing any music this year
5: no we don't actually um it's all been kind of up in the air to be honest but at the minute we're actually focusing on um an arrangement that highlights problems with mental health and puts like a personal spin on everything and we're going to like include spoken word poetry and like i don't know we're in the minute of all like working towards that and it's going to be a collaboration it's really exciting at the minute
6: Uh, i know the the oxford alternatives did a completely original icca set last year um about mental health like they wrote 12 minutes of music about that oh wow yeah really cool and obviously acapella did loads of fundraising for mine, so it seems like I was just it's being about talked say, about yeah. in, in the UK acapella community which is really good. So where can people listen to your music and did you release anything last year?
5: So last year we released a single, uh, a New York mashup and that's available on
6: Spotify,
5: iTunes and YouTube and if you just type in Tone Up New York it will be up there and um, we have a very nice little music video uh, to accompany that song.
6: Because you guys are obviously from Edinburgh and all live in Edinburgh, would you not consider doing the Edinburgh Fringe, like putting on a show at the the Fringe for a couple of weeks? Or is that off the cards, off the table?
5: Every year they've attempted to do it, but for some reason it never happens. I think it's just because since we live here all year, everyone just wants to get out.
6: So, many groups, though. so many groups travel up to Edinburgh and it costs them an arm I and a leg mean... to put on a show for two weeks. But I just, I feel um... like you guys are missing a trick.
5: I might do, Can I just join aquapella this year?
6: <laughs> Potentially, we'll see. <laughs> well, Tara, thank you so much for talking to us and hopefully we'll catch up with Tone Up later in the year and I wish you all the best with your competitions.
5: Oh, thank you so much. It was really nice speaking to you.
6: <laughs> so that was Tara from Tone Up from the University of Edinburgh edinburgh as she said you can catch their single the new york medley um on all streaming platforms um tune in to the next across the pond we'll be interviewing the president of oxford's group out of the blue who you will probably have heard of thank you so much for listening until next time
1: Yeah. Mm.